Hello, welcome to this week's economy. I'm Dr. Vance Gann, and I want to talk about the economy today. We've got a lot that's happening over the last week and the upcoming weeks. And so let's get right to it here today. Today is May 19th. Hope you're having a great week and we'll have a great weekend. Please do share this week's economy. Also, the Let People Prosper show with your family and friends and all your social media platforms. That would be much appreciated as we're continuing to get to get out the good word to other people. This week, we had on Dr. Chuck Beecham on the Let People Prosper show talking about the economy, the financial markets. He's a finance professor, and so he was great. Be sure to check out that episode. Next Tuesday, coming up this this next Tuesday, we're going to have Paul Winfrey, um, who will soon get his PhD. But he also was in the White House at a, during a time in the Trump administration, a little bit before I was. He was at Heritage Foundation for a while. He's doing a lot of big things. We talked a lot about public policy and some key reforms for pro-growth po- policy overall. Be sure to check that one out as well. So let's get right to it. On the national front, what I'd like to start off with here, you know, there's still a lot of discussion going on about the debt ceiling, what's happening there. I haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks. But this is still something that's happening. It's probably going to happen for a little while. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen recently came out and said, look, we're going to have this ticking time bomb to where the economy is going to fall off a cliff if we hit the debt ceiling in early June, meaning that they've been taking on the Treasury has been taking on a lot of extraordinary measures in order for us to continue to pay our bills for a while as revenue has come in. But that's really when they're going to run out of those extraordinary measures to where we can't pay all the debt that's coming due. The Treasury securities that's been issued over time, you know, the $31.4 trillion in national debt plus actually that we have, um, you know, that's also going to be problematic. And so in order for us to make sure we pay our bills, don't have a debt crisis, debt default, where you can't pay all of your bills. She's like, look, we got to do something about it. And fortunately, there has been something done about that already. You know, uh, one of the things that we're at a red tire today, you know, they have this debt that's just continuing to bleed. We've got to stop the bleeding before we can actually heal the wounds of what's been done over time with excessive government spending. Remember, we never have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem. And fortunately, the House Republicans, who won the majority in the House, last year in the election, right? Elections may have consequences. Elections matter. You know, they can come through and they pass a debt ceiling deal, a bill that's now been passed over to the Senate. What did that bill do? Well, it took federal government spending back to 2022 levels. We're currently in fiscal year 2023. So it went back to the previous year's levels. I would love to see it further, you know, go even further back to 2019 before the pandemic and everything else. That's unlikely. They didn't have the votes for it, unfortunately. So we're at 2022 levels, which is better. It's improvement over the 2023 levels for sure. But you also had a 1% spending limit over the next decade. I think that's critical as I'm big on fiscal rules. As you know, government spending should not should be limited to no more than population growth plus inflation. That rate to better measure the average taxpayer's ability to pay for government spending. So 1% would be great. We need that sort of spending limit in place. It also gets rid of a lot of the tax credits and that go to green energy projects and everything else for unreliable sources of energy like wind and solar. So a lot of the Inflation Reduction Act, I think they should be repealed or even eliminated entirely. They do some of that within this debt ceiling deal, along with getting rid of a lot of those um, IRS agents that are going to come and start auditing us more in the process, uh, which is a horrible situation. If, if you have a complicated tax system, you don't send out more auditors and people to enforce it. You simplify the tax code. Come on. Flat taxes is the way that we really need to be here, ultimately. You also have a situation where, you know, now... 
President Biden, the Senate Democrats, they don't want to deal. They don't want to negotiate um, with the House Republicans. And the House Republicans have already passed a bill. Let's use that as the guide and let's get something passed before we come up to a debt default or something else or having to put in place the uh, repealing the 14th Amendment. I mean, this is stuff is just nonsense because ultimately what do these folks want to do, these big government politicians and bureaucrats in Washington, they want to spend more of our taxpayer dollars, right? And take more money out of the economy, slow down economic growth and everything else. Because if they don't, then we're going to see interest rates soar. We're going to see the Fed have to put more money into the economy to keep interest rates down compared to where they want them to be. That's going to create more inflationary pressures across the economy. It's going to devalue the dollar, making it more expensive to, for us to buy goods and services from other, other countries and a number of other things, right? This is, this is really going to deepen the recession, make the situation worse and hurt the dollar, hurt the economy, and more importantly, hurt the American people in the process. We've already been, you know, kicked down a, a number of times because of these bad policies of the last couple of years. We really need some breathing room. And I think that's what the House Republicans bill would do. It would give us some breathing room to say, you know what, let's stop some of this nonsense and let's start heading in a better path. And that's really what we need. You know, ultimately we need to spend less we need lower taxes and we need sensible regulations because the economy is getting strangled every direction that we look from this Biden administration policies, big government progressive policies. And so we've got to overcome those and get back to classical liberal pro-growth policies that will allow for the economy to work overall. And so I think when you look at the national front, this debt ceiling deal and everything else um, and the potential cliff that we have coming up, this is something that should be um, concerning for us. But if there is an answer and the the answer is less government spending. Let's make sure that that happens. The number two thing I want to talk about is what states are doing. You know, I really what I want to talk about is what states should be doing. Okay, we talk a lot about what they're doing in Texas and Louisiana, where I do a lot of work, but other states as well are also a part of this. You have other states like Tennessee and Florida and Iowa and other states that are doing a better job of responsible budgeting. And you know, that's another thing I'm working on a lot is responsible budgets. You call it conservative budgets, sustainable budgets in some states, but though that's just so important because. What we really want to figure out is what is the role of government and the way that the government decides its roles and its policy moving forward is by how much it spends of our taxpayer dollars. So if you don't rein in government spending, you can't rein in taxes and you can't rein in regulations. That's really where it starts. That's the bread and butter. You know, as Dan Mitchell has put on the Let People Prosper show recently, you want government to grow by less than the, the economy. That's why population growth plus inflation is such an important point. If we're going to have it grow at all, which I would love for government to be cut overall in many places, states, local and federal levels, but that's really what we need. And we need that to be happening in places like Texas. You know, Texas has a budget that's in the conference committee right now. It's It appropriates too much in the Senate and the House. We'll see what happens in conference committee as they do this all behind closed doors, unfortunately. But we are going to make sure that they try to spend less overall, and that provides more in tax relief. You know, Texas is trying to do a lot in property tax relief right now, where the major problems are the school district M&O property taxes, which are essentially a statewide property tax. They need to be finding ways of reducing that with the $33 billion in surplus from last fiscal, set, fiscal year biennium, right? They have a two-year budget cycle in Texas, or the 60-plus billion, if you include that budget biennium surplus and the upcoming one. We have a, There's a lot of money that's in Texas floating around, 30, $27 billion in the rainy day fund. So, I mean, tax relief, giving more money back to the private sector, that will help to withstand 
the inflationary, the higher interest rates, the recession, the deeper recession from all the bad policies out of D.C., from the Biden administration. That's what they should be doing. Same thing is in Louisiana. Louisiana is looking at their budget, trying to pass through. The House did a pretty good job. They still should be putting more money into the rainy day fund to allow for their revenue triggers to reduce personal income taxes and to reduce their corporate franchise taxes substantially. That would allow for them to actually stop bleeding people. You know, fleeing, people are fleeing Louisiana. Then you got to stop that first before they can really begin to heal and allow for more economic prosperity, job creation, less poverty, those things. I mean, they have the highest poverty rate in the nation. You've got to start overcoming those obstacles by getting rid of bad policies. And it starts by spending less, right? Passing responsible Louisiana budget. Let's do it, right? This is the path forward that really needs to go. And, and last, but certainly not, number, not least here, number three, I want to talk about the recession. I think we've been in a recession for a while. Some of you may disagree with me. That's fine, right? But we had two consecutive quarters of declining real economic output in 20. 22, the first two quarters, we had a little bit of a bounce back in third quarter and fourth quarter. And so some were saying, well, no, this wasn't a recession. But if you look up the, at the way that they define recession by the National Bureau of Economic Research, Every time there's been two consecutive quarters of net declining real economic output, meaning real gross domestic product, that just means inflation-adjusted real gross domestic product, right? It's back since 1945, every time it's been considered a recession, right? Even if there has been a bounce back. And so we'll see what they come out with. They usually don't even date these until at least a year after they happen. So we still got a, a little bit of time before that happens. We're right around that time now. And they may not end up doing that, but I really think it has been a recession. If you look at, and I know I've talked about this, but GDP growth from Q4 2021 to Q4 2022 was only 0.9%. Then we had the first quarter of 2023, also right around 1%. This is just stagnant growth with high inflation. This is this is the classic example of stagflationary period, which I really think is going to be a deep recession for a while, given that we have higher interest rates, given the inflation that's going to continue and the Federal Reserve not reducing their balance sheet. And now with the dollar crisis and the debt default and everything else, there's so many factors that are out there. And I don't see a good path to pro-growth policies other than what's happening in the states. The states is where we've got to be where this is going to happen. So make sure that you're keeping your taxes and spending low and having, uh, so spending less, taxing less, regulating less. That's really what we need at the state level. Let's make sure that you're able to withstand whatever's happening in DC and across the nation. That's where you see the pro-growth policies. Remember, places like Florida and Texas have created one out of every two jobs since the pandemic started. Out of the 12 million, you know, that government jobs or jobs that the Biden administration has said that we've that he's created, only about 3 million jobs are actually net from February of 2020, and about half of those are off in Texas and Florida. Uh, Florida, you know, California and New York way down where they have big government policies. So look, this is the path forward. This is the best path to prosperity is free market capitalism. Let's make sure to do that some more. Thank you for joining me today. Please share this. And until next time, have a prosperous day.